Hello, hello. This is Babe of the Day. That is Johanna Roberts. And that is Kyron Wheatley. Sure is. Who are we talking about today? Did we want to do the tagline? Okay, yeah, do the tagline. <laughs> no, no, do the tagline and then I'll ask you. Go on. <laughs> we're, we're here for equal opportunity dream vote appreciation. Yes, we are. And who are we appreciating today? We are appreciating a guy who uh, most people know, like when you say surrealist, this yeah. is a guy you think of, but he was actually kicked out of the surrealist movement oh. formally. So, of course, we're talking about Salvador Dali. So, not only the greatest moustache I've ever seen in my life, but also the greatest surrealist. Well, about that. He was definitely like the self-anointed greatest surrealist, but he was actually formally expelled from the surrealist. Yeah, the surrealists all got together in like 1934 and basically told him that he couldn't be part of their gang anymore. Let's go back to the start. How did he get into surrealism? Who is Dali? Where's he from? Oh, Dali is just insane, (laughs) like just genuinely crazy, but also um, very smart in terms of he he always had a really commercial eye. And I mean that in a good sense in that he just he didn't put any boundaries on what he was making his art for. And he was also very, very good at self-promotion. So I feel like it's it's interesting that his world kind of um, overlapped with Andy Warhol's at mm. a certain point. Um, Ultraviolet was a muse of both of theirs. And that makes a lot of sense because Dali is like the, the king of self-promotion. Like he created, his image was just as much his art as his actual art was. What's Ultraviolet? Oh, Ultraviolet was one of Warhol's superstars. Right. So she was kind of in the gang with like Viva and Edie Sedgwick and all of those women. Who and how, were... did, how did Dali use her as a muse? Uh, Dali met her, I think, in France. She was just, you know, one of those uh, rich rich girls who, you know, had too much money and too little parental supervision, potentially, <laughs> and just, you know, saw what was going on in the 60s and wanted wanted more out of life. And so she kind of fell into the art scene and came, you know, cross paths with Dali. I'm not totally sure how they met, but um, it should be noted that throughout all of this, basically, Dali was married to his wife and Muse Gala like their entire life. Mm. Um, he sort of had dalliances throughout it, but she was kind of his main muse and remained so until her death, which is pretty cool. I, I like a, a constant muse in an artist's life. I think they're very important. I never think of like sort of Dali's work as particularly being not needing a muse, you know, isn't it, isn't it sort of, isn't it the dripping clocks? Dripping and... clocks, yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's definitely the most well-known mm. pieces, but, uh, you so know. So what else did he do? Ah, uh, God, he did everything. And this isn't going to tie into the muse thing at all. I mean, I guess the muse doesn't necessarily have to be somebody who is physically represented yeah, in totally, work. Yeah. Uh, although Gala definitely does appear kind of across his career. But um, my favourite Dali things are actually his sculptures. So he has the lobster telephone and he has like the Mae West lips couch, which I'm pretty sure you can probably buy like a knockoff, you know, in any old furniture store these days. They're my favourites because they're really, for me, they, and, you know, the surrealists would probably disagree, but they represent like that playfulness and the sense of humour, but also just like wild objects. And some of them are functional. Lobster telephone, not so much. The red lips, like the Mae West lips couch, is just like a really cool looking couch that you could definitely have in your house. (laughs) Well, maybe you could. (laughs) 
<laughs> I don't know where it would go in my house, to be fair. But so why why then was he kicked out of the uh, the movement? Well, he... how can you be kicked out of a movement? Don't uh... isn't doesn't it just sort of happen? <laughs> no, they're quite structured. A lot right. of a lot of the artistic movements um, of you know the modern period and earlier as well. They you know they had manifestos. They were very serious about the structure, and also because it was when people were genuinely coming up with new ideas and they were meeting other people who shared the same ideas and so they're like let's get together and it wasn't something that had already been done whereas now we're in this you know post post modernist art world and it's kind of like well everything has sort of been done to an extent so you don't have you don't have the collectives as much as maybe you used to Mm. Um, but they had various reasons they didn't like the commercial aspect of his work I think they didn't like some of his politics as well he may have been a bit of a fan of Franco which wasn't great in Spain during the Civil War years not James Franco oh (laughs) not either of the Franco brothers so I feel like he would have been a fan of James Franco's (laughs) but that wouldn't be like I wouldn't kick him out of the surrealism for that. <laughs> uh, no, Franco, who was the dictator of Spain. Ah, uh, ah. So, you know, some political differences. But uh, Dali was perfect, like, went on and was perfectly fine without I'm sure he didn't need group. the movement. No, and he was, um, you know, he still always referred to himself as a surrealist. That mm-hmm. was, you know, that's that's the easy shorthand for his work. But he was also, like, he had such a variety in his work. He was involved in film. He designed this... Uh, really beautiful fever dream set piece for Hitchcock's Spellbound, where it oh, really? like delves into the subconscious. It's like a movie all about um, about the subconscious and about psychoanalysis. And uh, yeah, so he designed that sequence. Uh, and look, I know that we've talked about melting clocks and mm. you know film sequences and lobster telephones, but I think mm, probably something most people don't know, and I definitely didn't, until relatively recently, you would be seeing Dali's work every single day, just in your day-to-day life. Really? Yeah, he designed the logo for Chupa Chups <laughs> in the 60s. Wow, so it's the same logo today? It's the same logo. That little sort of, it's little, like a cl- yellow cloud Yeah, almost. it's like a little daisy. Yeah. Yep. Wow, that's Dali. Yep. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know of too much candy that's got like one of the all-time... <laughs> You know, artists. Yeah, no, I, I, I can't think of another. Yeah. If anyone does know, though, please tell us. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go, we got to talk about that moustache. Like, I can't believe he got anything else done in his life, considering how much time must have gone into perfecting that thing. Yeah, well, I mean, he probably just. Uh, I think he probably grew it at an early age and just maintained it. <laughs> yeah, because uh, it was this like wire, these two wires very that long. fire off his face. Yeah, I assume he just had some really industrial moustache wax yeah, going on that held it in place. Yeah, and he kept it there for his whole life. Yeah, I wonder if it was even real. Maybe oh. he stuck it on every day. I have no background for that. I just decided that that <laughs> might be an easy way of dealing. You know, like John Waters draws on his moustache with pencil, like yeah. a pencil liner. Yeah. Why? Why would he? Why would Dali maybe not have done, a done the same thing. thing? He would never have told you though. Well, um, like it's still there in his old years, and when you see photos of Dali in his old years, he's uh, he looks uh, he looks his age. Well, he he lived a big life, and yep. I think he had some quite serious health issues at the end. So you know, yeah. But his moustache was always glorious. Was there, start to finish. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> This podcast was produced 
by me, Miles Martignoni. The theme songs by Georgia Mooney. Our logo is made by Greedy Hen. Special thanks to OCR 107.3, where we record the show. We're part of the Betapods network, so you can contact us at babeofthedaypodcast at betapods.net. And also, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at babeofthedaypodcast. Why don't you leave us a comment, a rating, a review, anything, anywhere. Let us know about it. Email it to us. Maybe I'll make you a mixtape. It's possible. I keep promising this. No one's gotten in touch yet. So let's just see what happens. Hey.